for our um, merch. I know I mentioned it last week. We were a little late on getting the design back to us, but we're getting those. Just be on the lookout on our social media and Read Me Romance headquarters. As soon as we get it up, I'm going to do giveaways with uh, some of the merch on there. So with the new summer design. So check it out. Check Check it out. out. All right. Did you guys watch Hamilton? Yes. That is on my list to discuss. (laughs) Let's talk about Hamilton. Hold on. So have you seen it, Mel? Have you ever seen Hamilton? What? Your no. your nephew has seen it, right? Though, because I remember your mom took him to New York to see it. But, but was it like yeah. when it first came out, though? Right? Like this is I remember you telling me about Hamilton before I'd ever heard about it, and I was like, they went in New York to see what? I think when it first came out, my mom took him. It was like they did a whole weekend out of it. I think they seen. I'm wondering. Wow, so they saw the original cast. I was going to say, I think they must have seen the original cast because this was years ago. I think she got to meet him. They got to meet him too. That's insane. It was so funny to me. So I've never seen it, but I did see Lin Manuel Miranda in in the Heights his first. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. First Uh musical. It was incredible, and they're making that into a movie as well. I've so I've been listening to the soundtrack, the Hamilton soundtrack, since Mm -hmm. it blew up or whatever. But seeing it on the screen was a whole different experience. I can't even. And it was so funny to watch people on Facebook be like, "Oh." It's really good. <laughs> it's like really worth yeah, the hype. Yeah. And, and this is like, it sounds like me when I was like, hey, how come nobody told me about I Avengers? <laughs> I felt like this with Presley Cole. And I was like, where have you bitches been? <laughs> yeah. But it was so funny to watch people on Facebook be like, oh, I had no idea that it was going to be even uh-huh. remotely this interesting and good. And it was like kind of amazing to just see it get a second wave of appreciation. Yeah, yeah. So it's a masterpiece. You, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen the play. You haven't gone to see it. I had no. Okay, no, so uh, I had I tried. I went to New York three different times to try to see it. Like when I was in New York, I tried to get tickets, and it was just impossible. And I was like, how is this so hard to see? And so I would see other things and I was like, all right, whatever. And so finally, and I, and I, I talked about this on the podcast last year, I went to see it for the first time. Cause I remember I came back and I was like, y'all listen, one of the groups I'm in, in my favorite murder, I have, I'm in a subgroup and one of the girls in Charlotte works at the theater and she was like, heads up. There is a new block of tickets that are opening up to this morning at 9 a.m. Get it. And I, so I just went on this. I was like, everybody has told me to see this. And I don't like musicals at all. Like, that's not my jam. And it, But everybody has told me, Leah, you are going to love this. And I was like, all right. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to see it. <clears throat> so I get on. Tickets were like $400 for nosebleeds. Like, it was astronomical what I paid for these tickets. And I was mad I had to buy them and pay that much money. But we sat down in that seat. And when it started, I was like, they did the opening song. And I was like, oh, that's cool. All right, so we're going to go for this. And then they kept singing. And I was like, oh, fuck, they're singing the whole time? The whole I was like, wait, wait, they're going to sing more. And I was like, Kevin and I, my husband and I, neither one of us likes musicals. And so we're like, they're going to sing this whole time? And they start singing. I'm like, I kind of like this song. I kind of like this song. I fucking love this song. What the fuck? That's cool. That's 
level every song. So impressive. And I saw this thing yesterday that was talking about the pentameter for the rap, like the the rap that you have to do it. They were like, it is so complicated. The rap style that they did on it, they were like, it's almost impossible to do this. And he did it for like 30 songs. And so it's like that people had to memorize this and be able to speak that quickly. Like the the speech therapy that they had to go through to be able to do like to do those lyrics and stuff and for it to make sense. And so it was just uh, like, but after the first time I saw it, and the, the that company was going to South Carolina to the Peace Center, and I bought tickets to see that show, and I paid four hundred dollars again, and I would pay that again today, right this second, to go see it again. Like, uh, there's no, there's no amount I wouldn't pay. Well, there probably is, but I would pay that again to see them repeatedly. I'd go see this probably five more times, because it's, it's even incredible. seeing it on on Disney, it was awesome because you're up close and you have subtitles. So you can actually read what those lyrics are that it's really hard to understand when they get like da 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 But like being able to read it and sit in your home and sing and dance and it was so cool. But let me tell you, being in that room with that fucking show and everybody around you is just like, yes, yes. And then it's like, immigrants, we get the job done. And the whole fucking room <laughs> goes insane. Every time I've seen that show, when they say that line, the fucking room goes nuts and the cast stops. And they're all like... Yeah, yep, we do. Because they're all. You of can color. see them like trying not to smile. Yeah, yep. you can see them like trying not to smile. Mm-hmm. And I'd say my favorite cast member, like, it was not who I expected, was it but Angelica. Oh, oh, no, I love Lafayette. Yeah, yeah. I love him. He was incredible. But Angelica, oh, God, what like, a badass fucking, bitch! I was like, she should be president. Yep. Like, just <laughs> that that kind of attitude of like, I'm here for a mind at work. Yeah, like, uh-huh. I want someone who has a fucking brain yeah, in exactly. heads, and that's not settling for less. And I know myself and I know the situation. I'm reading the situation. Oh, she was so good. And like, like you said, um, in order for them to like nail, not just like the lyrics and like the tone and the the energy, but the timing, the timing to make it humorous, to make it poignant, to like, to hit those like beats and just, I mean, it's, it was, a, it's just a work of art. Like if you haven't watched it yet, if you think just, musicals aren't for you, if out. you think theater's not for you, this is, this is something totally different. It's not what you expect. Cause I went into it and I think you got to go into it, not knowing anything. Cause my cousin posted that she was like, watched Hamilton. She was like, I actually thought maybe I should research Andrew Jackson or, you know, uh, Alexander Hamilton, like all these people beforehand. And she was like, but I ended up was like, nah, fuck it. And she's like, I watched it. And she's like, holy shit, that was the best way to go in. And I was like, yeah, not knowing anything, I think is great just to get up. It- yeah, I didn't. I mean, like, I, you know, I, it doesn't matter what I studied in school. I don't remember. No, any for of that, sure. So. No, no. So, but like, it did jog my memory. Like it, in a way of like, if this had been taught to me like this, I would remember, I would have remembered it. Do you know what I mean? Like. I just brought it to life. It's just incredible, like, the the lesson that you learned from it in the history. But my favorite character is Aaron Burr. It, it's still, like, it, he is, but... He's very I love good. an anti-hero. I didn't expect to like him I know, so but I love an anti-hero anyways. Like, in movies and stuff, I always love the villains. Like, that's, you know, my jam. But him, and I sent this to Mel. I don't know if you remember. It's been months. It was after I watched... The watched it for the first time on the stage and I, that was the first musical where I had gone and I downloaded the soundtrack on the way home that night I was like oh I gotta hear this again immediately and there's a song that Aaron Burr sings and it's called Wait For It 
And it's the song where he talks about he's in love with a woman named Theodosia. She's married to a man that's an officer. He's a British officer. And so he sings the song that he has to wait for it. He has to wait for her. He has to wait for his moment that he can have her because he says, like, the line is so beautiful. And he says, he can keep all of Georgia, Theodosia, she's mine. Because he's like, that's all I want. I don't want anything else from you. I want her and I will wait for it. I will wait for it. And it's, God, just gives me chills. It's so good. And there's a, another line in it that he says on it. He says, I'm not standing still. I'm lying in wait. And he's like, wait for it, wait for it. Because he's oh. just, he's like, you see me and you see me standing here and you think I'm don't, I'm not doing anything. And he says that about, you know, Alexander Hamilton says the whole time he's like, you stand, you stand for nothing. You'll fall for anything. Like you have no platform. You don't pick a side. You stand in the middle. He's like, he's like, I'm not standing still. I'm lying in wait. I'm waiting for my moment so I can have my woman and I can do what I want to do and I can run for president. And so that's, that's his whole thing is like, he is waiting for his opportunity. And that song is so gut-wrenching when he sings it and how he's he's just waiting for her you know so that he can he can do it he can do his fucking thing that he wants to do and he's like <laughs> when he talks about Alexander Hamilton and he's like he has nothing holding him back he can do it he can take these risks and these chances and these opportunities and he sees him rising and shining and do, and everyone's paying him attention and he's like and meanwhile I'm standing here you know and it's just it's such a uh, it's so heartbreaking to hear it but it's such a good song about like wait for your moment because it will come and then when it does you know he he ends up like he loses her I think it's in childbirth and he has the daughter and he names the little girl Theodosia after her and he, then he talks about his whole world is to prove that his daughter that he's worthy that he was worthy of her of his wife or you know her Theodosia the woman he was worthy of her that he was worthy to be a man and to be her father and so that's like the whole point of like that's why he challenges Alexander Hamilton to a duel because he wants to show his daughter that he won't be pushed down and it's just like that's why he's my he's my favorite character in it he's so he's good. very he I didn't like I I once I put the the voice to a uh -huh. face it just changed it it yeah. just changes it the yeah. way you look uh -huh. at it like you really you I thought I was gonna just basically be watching like I don't know music video like you know just I've already I've already know I know the songs mm -hmm. and but it just changes everything when you see their the way they're moving and their mannerisms and their expressions when and they're like, crying the way they interact with each other when yeah, the song oh when it's, they sing the song when Alexander Hamilton and Eliza sing it's quiet uptown and they're walking out together like it's quiet uptown you know and they're they have pity yeah. and they and the, he reached she reaches out and she grabs his hand and they just start like she starts crying and it's just like oh and he starts crying because she touched his hand you know because after all this time apart she's finally forgiven him and it says forgiveness and she reaches out and she grabs him and Lin-Manuel just starts bawling you know and it's oh. just like that sort of oh my god it's so different seeing it on tv than being in the theater but I mean being able to see the original cast how incredible is that who who's ever done that I know oh my god I can't wait till it's gonna be like that's definitely it they're, gonna, they're making the movie I don't right? know I, why I, don't I heard know. they're making a movie with the original Broadway oh cast god. that's what that I hear that would be incredible I'd go see it <laughs> okay so did you guys read anything this week um shit 
I was reading something and I can't remember what it was now. Obviously, it stuck with me. Are you reading anything right now? <laughs> I finished a book last night. I don't know if I'm having some sort of identity crisis. Uh, according to your Instagram, I... you are because I looked at your book list on there and I was like, hard pass, all of them. <laughs> what, which one? I don't know. You had posted up something. You were like, oh, I'm going to read all these and not ask anybody any questions about it. Like what? Which ones did you read? I but I well I picked up the Unhoneymooners by Christine. Oh, Warren. how did you, did you like that? Um, I haven't oh, read okay. it yet. I've read. I've picked up four books and I have read one. Of I them heard so the far. Unhoneymooners just, was great. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about it. that one's next because I know it's a guaranteed happily ever after. Yeah, um, I picked up one that was just a. It's not a romance at all. It's um, Roddy Doyle. He's like an Irish author and it's about him like two friends talking about their lives basically reflecting on their oh, okay. lives. it's not romance at all oh and then one is about a woman who like builds the perfect man like i guess he's like a mechanical robot or something. <laughs> what? I, have to, I have to like i don't know I, I, I it's so funny every time i go to um Barnes and noble i see this book on the shelf and it's like she couldn't find the perfect man, so she built yeah. him. Yeah. And then it's, like, her with a wrench, and he's, like, kind of, like, a robot-type uh-huh. move. So I don't know. I, I'm going to – I'm gonna. I'll, I'll report back on that one. But the book that I read was Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, is that the one where you – tell me about that. It's, like – okay, so it's basically a cross between, like, VH1 behind the music and – uh, almost famous. Okay. It's basically a band and they're telling they're they're basically talking as grown like as people that have like people in the present talking about the meteoric rise of their band in the 70s and everything that led up to this smash album that basically changed the changed rock and roll and um everything that went into it. And it is it is a masterpiece. It's a beautiful book, but it's like it's kind of like almost famous. You know how when you have that feeling at the end of like, and now it's all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. And it, it only was just this shining moment in time and it was magical and everybody came together from all these different places and just made magic mm-hmm. and now that's it. It's over. Yeah. And there's that feeling of just like, oh, it's gut-wrenching, but at the same time you're like, there's no other way it could have yeah. been. So basically the lead singer is this man, this is guy Billy, and he's married. And um, he's got three kids and there's another girl named Daisy who joins the, uh, she joins the band and she's like, he, so he's, Billy is a recovering uh, drug addict and alcoholic and he went, like put his wife through hell and now he's on the straight and narrow and then in comes Daisy and she is like crazy flower child on drugs, like just this beautiful, like um, free spirit. And he's like, this is dangerous. And so they like hate each other, but they make, they write the most incredible songs of all time together and they love each other and hate each other. And it's like, it's breathtaking. But like I, I like I said, it's not a traditional romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I honestly, I picked it up not even knowing if it had romance in it. I just had seen this cover everywhere and everybody talking about how good this book was. And I didn't ask anybody about it. I just went in. I'm glad I read it. It don't, I don't feel sick. Like I felt. (laughs) I feel like fine. I feel exhilarated. I'm a little bit sad, but fine. And there's a hopeful ending. And I honestly, if you're. That's a good feeling, by the way, that's the feeling you want to (laughs) have. Yeah, like it, it made me feel like, oh, you know, like it, you just felt like you were there for this amazing ride, you know, and it didn't end the way you wanted it to maybe, or maybe it did. And maybe it ended exactly how it was supposed to, but oh, he just knew he could, you know, he, 
I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the ending. Um, but anyways, it's Daisy Jones and the six and they're actually, I don't know what it is, but they're making it into a Netflix series. They're making everything. into a Netflix series. <laughs> That's cool. But it's like Riley Kehoe is playing, um, is playing Daisy and the guy who's playing, uh, Billy is, um, he's in me before you mm-hmm. or you before me, yeah. Jojo Moyne's yeah. movie. Uh, he, I believe he plays the man who's a he's Finnick in um in uh the Hunger Games, right? Isn't isn't that who that is? You got me there. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody but tell me if I'm wrong. He's, he's, it's gonna be great, but uh, I, I I don't know. I'm gonna I can keep my eye out for when it comes oh, out. I figured out. So I've downloaded um the Beast of Blackmore by Mila Vane. Oh, it went yeah. live. I got my pre order, and then I text her. I said, "Is there audio in this?" And she said, "Yes, there's audio." She said, "It's in the original anthology that this." In, that the story was released in. So the book of the Beast of Blackmore came out in ebook and it's only 167 pages, which I'm frankly shocked by. I oh, know wow. because normally she's like a 400 page girl and that's like cutting it down to 400. She's long <laughs> shit. I mean, it's great, but she writes really long books. So this one is shorter if you want it. And the, um, the audio book has Lainey Singh, Alona Andrews, Lisa, Sharon, and Mila Vane. It's called Night Shift, and it's got all of those audiobooks in it. Um, obviously, you can get it on Audible. the The price is twenty three ninety five. It says right now. I don't know if there's. I don't think there's an ebook to do Whisper Sync with it. So I would use your credit for that if you got it. So that's it's called Night Shift. Again, it's got um, those four authors that are in it. I mean, I'm gonna get the audio. I've got it just because. I mean, those are four great authors, but I definitely want the Beast of Blackmore. So. If you want it, go grab it, and it's out in ebook. So yeah, so this is the follow up to a Heart of Blood and Ash. Yes, right? and I yeah. can't wait. Okay, so I'm definitely going to grab that. Maybe I'll read that even before the Honeymooners. Chronologically, the novella takes place just before the events of A Heart of Blood and Ash, Book One, but they don't share any characters and do not spoil each other. It doesn't really matter which one you read first. There are spoilers in The Beast of Blackmore, A, a Touch of Stone and Snow, and A Dance of Smoke and Steel. Although you won't have trouble following the main storyline if you don't read the novella. The Beast of Blackmore contains events and characters that are explicitly mentioned in books two and three. And speaking of book two, A Touch of Stone and Snow is only two weeks away. Can't wait for y'all to meet Eric and Lizana, but that's for later. Today, I hope you enjoy um, Kavik and Mala's story as much as I enjoyed writing it. She has the weirdest character names. So, uh, can I also just mention, this is a fucking novella that's 165 pages. I'm going to murder her. I'm going to murder her. (laughs) I thought this was the whole book, and she's calling it a novella. I love her. All right, guys. Um, so the other book you can, another book you can get from, um, Frankie Love is called Protector of the Mountain. And I'm going to read you that blurb really quickly. It's short. I didn't think it was a hookup. I thought it was forever. I may be a tough-ass man living in the woods, but when Rainy, the woman of my dreams, leaves after just one night, I'm all torn up. When a baby boy is dropped off at my doorstep nine months later with nothing but a note, I fear the worst, but I refuse to give up hope. I'll protect this baby the same way I'll protect the love I found with his mother. I just have to find her first. So. Oh. What was that called? That's called Protector of the Mountain. So uh, go check out Frankie Love on um, Kindle Unlimited and go to readmeromance.com to enter the giveaway. Okay, so we're going to play the second half of Man of the Mountain by Frankie Love right now, and we'll talk to you guys on the other side. Bye. 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 Chapter 7. Cutter.
Her body presses against mine, and my cock groans against her. Her lips part as our tongues meet, and I can't help threading my fingers through her long, dark hair. She whimpers as I caress her, my hands roaming under her shirt, massaging her full tits, and wanting so much more. Everything, all of her, she wants it too. Her hands press against my chest and I lift her cute ass up to the countertop, standing between her legs, aware of my hard, thick cock between us. She moans as the kiss deepens, as I inhale all of her. She smells like rain showers and starlight and brand new days. She smells like hope and desire and a future all wrapped up in one curvy little package. She pulls off her top, unclasps her bra. Fuck, girl, I groan, taking in her perfect tits. They are full and round and meant to be enjoyed. I dip my mouth to her breast, running my tongue over her sweet nipple, my cock groaning with anticipation. God, how I want to run my shaft between these tits pumping my cock until I come all over her skin. She'd look so fucking good covered in my seed. Filled with it, too. Desire overtakes me as I imagine her sweet cunt wrapped around my cock. Fuck, I want you so damn bad, I tell her, my breath on her ear. She shivers with pleasure, but I want to make her shake writhe, come together and come undone, all of it. I want her. I'm a virgin, she tells me between kisses. I mean, I want this, I do, but I wanted to tell you first. I pull back. Yeah? Does that change anything? I run a hand over my beard, taking in her holy innocence. Fuck, girl, it changes everything. Her eyebrows lift, her sweet lips part. How? It makes me want you all the more, I growl. She smiles, exhaling her delight. And she wraps her arms around me, ready to be scooped up and pleasured until her sweet virgin hole is taken the way it deserves. But before we can do any of that, the baby cries. Waking from her sleep, she lets us know her needs. Okay, I say, handing Katie her shirt. You can have that back, but no bra. I wink and she laughs. And why's that? She jumps off the counter, pulling on her shirt as I reach for some sweats so I can be decent in front of the baby. Because I need to see those perky little nipples, I say, reaching from behind her and squeezing her sweet tits, kissing her neck. She swats me away, both of us laughing. The baby. In the living room, she lifts the baby from the makeshift bed, and I realize she cooked us dinner while I was jerking off in the shower thinking about her cunt. That smells good, I say, lifting the lid to a pot on the stove. Katie made spaghetti and meatballs. She reaches for the can of formula and prepares a bottle, the baby happy in her arms. I'll dish this up for us, I say. She smiles her thanks and begins to coo at the baby, offering her the bottle. You're right, she says. It's weird not calling her by a name. Any ideas? How about Hope? Katie looks up at me. That's so fitting. She shakes her head. 
She's perfect. I swear, look at her. Those eyes make me melt. I place a hand on Katie's back. Pretty damn perfect. We eat the pasta and she tells me about her job, her boss. And what do you do for fun? I ask. Read, go hiking, cook, nothing that exciting. She wipes her mouth with her napkin. And what about you? What do you do out here when you're not working? I clear my throat, taking hope from her as she clears the table. I'd do the same as you, to be honest. More fishing than cooking, though. My life is simple. That's how I want it. She nods slowly. And you've never been married? Never thought about settling down? Clenching my jaw, I consider how to phrase this. I've never met a woman who made me want to change my world. Right, Katie says with a wry smile. I get that. You have your own slice of paradise out here. Why share it? I want to say I would share it with you. Turn my world upside down for you. But we just fucking met. I don't want to scare her away. And I know my words would have her running. I want you. All of you. Forever. She covers her mouth as a yawn takes over. And I tell her I will make up the bed with fresh sheets. I'll take the couch, I say. Unless, she lowers her chin, lifts her eyes. I step toward her. Hope is asleep in my arms. Unless you're scared of being lonely in that room all by yourself. She licks her lips, fighting a smile. Yes, that's it. I was thinking about being lonely. I chuckle. Do you think Hope will stay asleep for a while? Katie nods. Let's bring the dresser drawer into the bedroom. But first, can I please put a bandage on that gash? I want it to heal as quickly as possible. After Katie uses the butterfly closures on my wound, she changes Hope for bed. I move the drawer into the bedroom and watch as Katie takes her time swaddling Hope. Once the little one's eyes close and she is sound asleep, Katie nestles her in the makeshift bed. I wonder what my boss will think about us staying here. I'm guessing she will think you did what you had to do. There is going to be an investigation to try and find Hope's birth mother. Katie sits on the edge of the bed, and I turn off the overhead light, and then turn on a lamp beside the bed before sitting beside her. It worries me, Katie says in a whisper. I wish, I wish I could guarantee she would be in good hands until... Don't you have faith in the foster parents you work with? Katie nods, turning to face me, the soft glow of the lamplight illuminating her face in the most beautiful way. I do, it's just, hope is different. I'm not supposed to become invested too deeply with my clients, but a few hours with her and I feel like she's... Like she's what? I ask, tucking a strand of hair behind Katie's ear. Like she's mine. Her voice cracks and she rests a hand on my chest. My heart tightens. I feel the same way. Like I'd do anything to protect her. Like it's my duty. I wish we knew how this will all unfold, she says. We don't have all those answers, but we do know how this night will unfold, I tell her, drawing her into my arms. She exhales a breath I didn't realize she'd been holding. Take me, Cutter, she whimpers. Make me yours.
Chapter 8 Katie Cutter pulls me into his arms, kissing me deeply, picking up where we left off in the bathroom. He is so masculine, so in charge, and for the first time in forever, I feel like I can let my guard down, let him in. He is a man I just met, yet I feel like I can trust him with my heart, my soul, my everything. We undress quickly, eager for more, and I take him in again. In all his naked glory, my pussy warms as I check him out. His cock is so big, so thick, his torso a ripped ladder of abs, his arms corded with muscles. Everything about him turns me on. And as I slip off my panties, as he sees all of me, his eyes darken with a hunger I've never seen in my life, like he wants to consume me head to toe. A heat rises from my core because that is all I want too. I'm not nervous as he joins me in the bed, as his finger presses against my lips, telling me we need to be quiet so as to not wake hope. I nod, understanding, wanting to be as respectful as possible. He leans over me, his cock against my belly, his eyes locked on mine. I run a finger over the bandage on his forehead. You risked your life for hope. You're a hero, my hero. And I'm also your first time. He smiles down at me, running his hand over my curves. His cabin is warm and cozy. And even though the storm rages outside, in here we are in a little cocoon. I want to stay here in this moment forever. He eases my knees apart and lowers his head. Relax, okay, sweetheart? His tongue runs over my slit, and I squeeze my eyes shut as the intense pleasure courses through me. His thick beard tickles my most private place. And yet, I am not the least embarrassed. I feel beautiful and seen. I feel like his. And maybe that is crazy. We just met. But it doesn't feel crazy. It feels meant to be. Destiny. I run my hands through his thick hair as he flicks his tongue over my clit, lighting a fire in my belly that he knows how to handle. He licks me with such intensity that I'm forced to clench my teeth, my knees buckle. Easy there, Katie, just breathe. Okay, I sigh, wanting this to last all night. Cutter adds a finger, then a second to my center, teasing me open. You're so nice and tight, so fucking tight. He growls in pleasure, his hand lifting my ass, fingering me as my pussy begins to drip for him. He lowers his mouth, licking it up, all my juice, and he flicks his tongue over me so quickly that I'm forced to clench the sheets with my fists, as if holding on for dear life. The sensation intensifies as he moves his fingers harder against me. There you go, sweetie. You're so nice and wet. Now relax. Let that cunt of yours have some more fun. Let me make you squirt. You like that? How wet I am? I pant as he drapes one of my legs over his shoulder, fingering me deeper until I'm covering my mouth with my arm, holding back my moans of delight. 
I love your juicy cunt. He fingers me until the orgasm runs up and down my spine, until the sheets are soaked with my releases, until his mouth is so deeply buried against my pussy that there's no space between us at all. The only thing between us is desire. Oh God, I whisper, forcing my cries to subside, my voice frantic and soft. I want more, now, to be consumed by his cock the way he's just consumed me with his mouth. He massages my breasts with his hands as I come down from the orgasm. My body his for the taking. And God, he knows how to take me in the most satisfying way. The pleasure runs up from my toes to my belly, and I'm panting, needing more. Harder, I whisper. I want, I want, I don't know how I want it. I just want him. I want that big, thick cock of his to fill me up and make me a woman, his woman, now. God, you taste so sweet. Your virgin hole is so fucking tight, he growls. I need you. You understand that, Katie? I nod. I need you too. Yeah, you need my cock, because sweetie, it's gonna ruin you for all other men. I don't want other men, I moan. I want you, you. Good. He takes my hand and places it on a shaft. Because I want you too. Feel how hard I am? That's for you, Katie. You alone. You're so big. I don't think you'll, oh, I'll fit all right. I opened your pretty pussy up nice and good. You're ready. Then what are you waiting for? I tease. Show me what kind of mountain man you really are. I'm your mountain man, Katie. Yours. He begins to fill me up with his velvety length, so hard and rigid. Just like my pussy's been primed for him, his cock is raging and ready for me. His cock enters me and I wrap my arms around his neck, holding on for dear life. I'm bound to him, I won't let go. He seems to understand the emotion rising within me, the need, my need for him. I want him to be my anchor, my shelter from the storm. His cock fills me up and tears slide down my cheeks. He sees them, but doesn't wipe them away. He isn't scared of my emotion, my release. He leans in, kissing my lips, my salty tears, my nose, my neck, my ears. He doesn't want a portion. He wants all of me. God, I love you, he says as his cock moves inside me. My pussy open for him in ways I didn't think possible. It hurts, but not in a scary way, in a safe way. He wraps me up in his arms, and I fit right against him. My curves aren't too big, my baggage too much, my fears too insurmountable. I love you, Katie, he says again. And somehow, I believe him. I believe Cutter loves me. No one has ever said that to me before, I say, my breath shaky, scared. Never once. Oh, love, then let me say it a thousand times over, again and again and again. I love you, I love you, I love you. 
I don't know how love can grow in the space of one night, but it has. This, what is happening with Cutter and Hope and I, it's love, plain and simple. I love you too. Cutter fills me up with his strength in the way only he can do. And his cock makes me feel whole. We come hard, together as one. We come with fingers laced and hearts bound. And I swear I won't let anything get in our way. I will fight for this, this love story I found in the middle of a storm. We clean up as Hope stirs. In Cutter's t-shirt, I lift her from the dresser drawer. Cutter makes a bottle and the three of us climb into bed. We fall asleep, the rain beating down on the roof, sounding just like the beating of my now whole heart. Chapter Nine Cutter In the morning, I wake to a sight I never once thought I'd see in my whole damn life. The girl I love holding the baby I adore in my bed. When the fuck did I become a family man? All it took was one night. But really, it wasn't about the night. It was about the girls. These two. They are mine now. A phone rings in the other room and I roll from bed, not wanting to leave this scene, but not wanting the call to wake them. By the time I find it in Katie's bag, it's gone to voicemail. Wanting them to sleep as long as possible, I start a pot of coffee and make a bottle. Looking out the window, I see the storm has passed. Thank God. I slip on a pair of boots and take my cup of joe to the yard, surveying the damage of the fallen cedar. It's gonna take my big-ass saw to deal with this. I'll call up James, Reed, and Jasper to see if they can come help me clear this out. When I get back inside, Katie is in the bathroom. I take the bottle to Hope, who is in the dresser drawer, and I'm wondering what I'm gonna need to do to get her in my care. I'm sure Katie knows all the paperwork we'll need to fill out. Hope kicks her cute little feet up at me, and I realize she needs a diaper change. I set to that in the living room, and I must admit that even a job like this doesn't seem too bad when it is Hope I am looking after. Katie finds us in the living room, and God, she takes my breath away. You look so fucking good in the morning, I tell her, lifting Hope onto my shoulder and reaching for the bottle on the coffee table. I made coffee. Smells good, she says. Your phone was ringing too, I tell her. I set it on the table. Okay, thanks, she says. I hear her move into the kitchen and I consider how this will be our life now. A woman's soft footsteps, a baby taking a bottle in my arm, a life complete. Oh crap, Katie says. Oh shit, Cutter. She walks into the living room looking as if she's just seen a ghost. Listen to this. She presses play on the voicemail. Katie, I'm guessing you got stuck in the storm. No one has heard from you all night. Call me as soon as you can, there's an emergency. That baby you were meant to transport? Well, her mother is here, and she's asking for her daughter. Call me as soon as you can. Fuck. I walk to Katie, who has tears in her eyes. It's okay, we can work this out, we can- She shakes her head, cutting me off. No, we can't, Cutter. There is a whole system, a whole bunch of rules. I was stupid to think otherwise. I got caught up in, in you. 
She waves her hand around the room. In this make-believe fantasy, no one gets a happy ending, Cutter. That isn't true. We have to fight for what? No. She starts dialing her boss's number. We don't get to decide what happens to Hope. We aren't her family. She paces the living room as the call connects. Lorraine? Yes, I got stuck here in Fox Hollow. A tree fell, the power went out, I couldn't leave. She explains the cougar fight, how I've been a lifesaver. Then she pauses, listening. Then looks to me. How quickly can you clear the tree? A few hours if I get my buddies to help. Good. Can you call and ask them? I need to get her to the office as soon as possible. She turns back to the call. Okay, I will text with an update when I'm on the road. Good news is the baby is healthy and happy, slept all night and is taking bottles. I'll start working on the report while the tree is removed. I'll send it over ASAP. She ends the call and looks at me with eyes of steel, hard, distant, as if refusing to let anything block her view. I'll just stay inside with her while you deal with the tree, okay? She reaches for hope, not meeting my gaze. Don't you want to talk about this? About us? There's nothing to talk about, she says tightly. I'm going to get that cup of coffee and work at the table, okay? Could you bring her little bed in here? I run a hand over my beard. Just like that? You're giving up? She levels her eyes with mine. I can't give something up when I didn't have it in the first place. I clench my jaw. That is not true, Katie. You have me. Don't. She shakes her head, blinking back the tears that threaten to fall. Don't make this harder than it already is. I know you've been fighting your own battle all your life, sweetheart, but you aren't alone anymore. I'm here. For how long, though? She asks, disbelief in her voice. Because, Cutter, the odds of her going back to her birth mom, they're high. And maybe that's where she belongs. I don't want to get between them. You're right. Maybe they will end up reunited. But in the meantime, she will still need advocates, won't she? Why can't we be those people for her? I want to protect her. I made a promise. I don't break them. And I made a promise to you too, Katie, to take care of you. Let me. Just because we had one reckless night doesn't mean I'm your responsibility. My heart tightens. I can't lose everything I just found. No, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. I know it's scary, but this isn't reckless. This is love. And I promise you, I won't let you down, ever. Let me love you the way you deserve. Tears fall down her face. And if hope, if we lose her? Then we will get through that together. But damn it, Katie, don't go running from the first good thing you've ever had. And you're my good thing? She asks, her chin trembling, lips quivering. God, I hate to see my girl so damn scared. I'm more than your good thing, girl. I'm your man. And even more than that, I'll make you my wife. Oh, Cutter, she says, crying into my chest, tears on my bare skin. Hope between us. I love you. I love you too. Our lips meet and my heart fucking melts. These two girls, they are my whole damn world. Now let's get in my truck at the end of the driveway and... Go figure out what shit we need to do to make sure Hope is safe. You have a truck we can take? Hell yeah, even as a back row. All set up for my family. We can't wait till the tree is cut. We need to take care of business, now. 
Look at you, all protective. She smiles up at me. Of course I am. You are my family now, Katie. My everything. Chapter 10 Katie As we drive out of Fox Hollow, fear threatens to swallow me whole. Up at Cutter's cabin, his friends Reed, Jasper, and James are busy working on moving the tree. My car is still there. Cutter says that's fitting, considering that is my home now. Is it, though? How is this actually going to work? There are a thousand questions racing through my mind, but the most pressing one is what is going to happen to Hope. I got the intake forms filled out on my tablet while Cutter was rounding up his buddies. And the truth is, we would have to be registered as a foster family to even take care of Hope. And how would that work with my job, with Cutter's? There are so many logistics to sort. But Cutter squeezes my hand as we drive down the mountain, toward the city. He seems to believe that the impossible is possible, that together we can make this work. Destiny. Hope fusses in her car seat, and I wish I could just pick her up and soothe her. Cutter turns the radio to an oldie station, and Johnny Cash seems to soothe her. I smile, actually leaning back in my seat and relaxing, letting the beautiful rain-washed forest ease the tension in my heart. Did you really say you're going to make me your wife? I ask Cutter as we weave through Fox Hollow. He glances my way, a grin on his face. Not the proposal you were hoping for? I laugh softly. I'm not the kind of girl who needs a dramatic setup. I just want a real one, a forever kind of one. Well, I meant it. I want to marry you. You can quit your job, and instead of working for Lorraine, you can be your own boss. How do you figure? You'll be busy raising hope. Look at you, planning it all out. He runs a hand over his beard, eyes on the road. It's what you want, though, isn't it? I nod tightly. Yes, it's all I want, Cutter. He squeezes my hand again. Okay, then, have faith in us. When we pull into the social services office where I work, I tell myself to be brave, to speak up, to share how I feel, all the things I've always struggled with. But hope is worth fighting for. I won't let her down. Cutter has on a clean flannel shirt, dark denim jeans, brown leather boots. He looks so handsome, so capable. And when he lifts Hope's baby carrier from the back of the car, he looks like the sexiest mountain daddy in the whole wide world. What, he asks, the diaper bag over his shoulder. I press my lips together my whole body so damn hot for him. Nothing, I was just thinking, you look like a natural. Who would have thought, huh? He gives me a pat on the butt and I laugh, opening the door for him. Inside, Lorraine meets us and lets us know Holly Grant is here, claiming to be the birth mother. She has a birth certificate, photos of her and the baby. She is who she says she is. 
Apparently, Lorraine told her that Cutter fought off a pair of wild cougars to save her baby. Her baby named Angel. Cutter and I look at one another. Angel, not Hope. Well, Angel is fitting too. I need to speak with her, Cutter says. Now. Lorraine frowns. Well, that isn't exactly appropriate. She wants to see her daughter. But before Lorraine can say any more, a woman pushes her way into the room. Are you the one who found her? She asks, walking to Cutter. He nods. I did. Why did you leave her? Why did you come back? He asks, pushing straight past any and all protocol a social worker would be forced to adhere to. Lorraine tries to interject. This is highly unorthodox. But Holly Grant shakes her off. I came back because I realized I didn't leave any of the paperwork that would make sure she had what she needed. I'm a mess, a wreck, and I don't want to be a mom. I can't be her mom. I'm leaving for Europe tonight. I got a job as a roadie for a band. She kneels down to the floor, looking at her daughter. Look, I just want to be sure she is taken care of. I brought in the stuff from the hospital where she was born, and some photos. After I dropped her off at the ranger station, I freaked out, realizing that I fucked up. But I was in the woods at this party, you know, and it got really crazy, and I didn't think she should be there. It's okay, Cutter says. I was there, I got her. And listen, Holly, I love this little girl. I saved her from wild animals, I fought for her, and I will keep fighting for her, Katie and I both. Katie? Holly's eyes lift to meet mine. You mean it? You want her? Lorraine jumps in. This is uncalled for, there is a process. Actually, Lorraine, I say, standing my ground. We're skipping the process. This is between us now, Holly, Cutter, and me, not the Department of Social Services. I'm relinquishing my rights, Holly says. It's why I came in. I realized skipping town might make things harder for her. And she's a baby. She didn't ask to have me as a mother. She deserves better than someone who wants out. That's what you truly want? To hand over custody? I ask. Holly shakes her head. What I really want is to know she has a family who wants her. She runs a hand through her stringy bleached hair. Her mascara is caked in her lashes. Looks like she hasn't slept for days. But she is doing her best. She is here, trying. We want her, Cutter says. We want to raise her. You mean that? Holly asks. Like, you don't even know. We mean it, I say, never having been more sure of anything in my life. Then what do we do next? Holly asks. Find a lawyer, Cutter says, taking control. Now. Holly nods. Okay, let's do it. I gotta catch a plane later. I got this crazy offer and I've gotta run. Lorraine shakes her head. Katie, you can't be serious. This is so out of line. I press my lips together. No, it's not out of line. It's absolutely the right thing. For the baby, for Holly, 
for Cutter and me. And I quit, Lorraine. You're giving up your job? I shake my head. No, I'm getting the life I've always wanted. Then I take Cutter's hand in mine as he lifts the baby carrier, nodding to Holly, the woman who just walked into my life and changed my whole world. Come on, we have work to do. Epilogue Cutter One Year Later I get out of bed, hearing her cries through the baby monitor. I look over at Katie, snoring softly in bed. It's the middle of the night, and Hope Angel hardly ever wakes up at this hour. But she has been teething, so maybe that's it. In the nursery, I lift her from her crib. She's 14 months old now, walking, has a handful of words, and is cute as a button. God, I've become a softie. And I love every damn second of it. I change her diaper, then bounce her on my shoulder, getting her back to sleep, pacing the house as I sing her a lullaby. I step over stuffed animals and baby dolls. The living room is littered with her toys, no matter how often Katie and I pick them up. In the kitchen, the photos catch my eye. Ones taken over the last year. A wedding photo, us down at the Fox Hollow River. Katie in her white lace gown, holding our baby girl, standing with me in my black suit. It was a good day, a small celebration that felt just right. There is a picture of Katie, Hope, and I at the courthouse, in front of the judge, as we signed the paperwork to formalize the adoption. And there's a photo of Holly Grant in Berlin. She keeps in touch randomly, and Katie and I are so grateful for that. We don't want this adoption to cause any more loss than necessary. There is a photo of the Fox Hollow gang down at James and Marcy's for that barbecue about a year ago. I didn't mind going after all. Crazy how fast things changed. One minute I was walking through the woods as a ranger, getting a text about a family barbecue that sounded like hell. Then, all of a sudden, I had a family overnight. Shooting the shit with my buddies, our women and children by our sides didn't sound so bad. In fact, it sounded damn near perfect. Soon enough, Hope Angel is sleeping again and I carry her to the nursery. I kiss her head and then lay her down, hoping she stays asleep so her mama can get some more rest. She needs it these days, considering she is pregnant with twins. Fuck. The thought of it alone gets my cock twitching. My wife is all knocked up and hotter than hell. In our bed, I slide in close next to her. She stirs awake. Sorry, sweetie, didn't mean to wake you. She rolls on top of me. I'm glad you did. Yeah? I ask as she pushes down my sweatpants. I was having the sexiest dream. Tell me more. I smile as she lifts the hem of her nightgown, tossing it aside. God, her tits look perfect, bigger than ever. Her belly is round and full, and her hips curve in the most delicious way. I run my hands over her bare tits as she leans down. I kiss them, my tongue swirling over her hard nipple as she lifts her creamy ass ever so slightly. I need you in me, she whimpers. I'm so horny for you. I can tell, I growl in her ear. 
Your cunt is so nice and wet. I'm wet for you, baby. She sinks down on my cock, crying out in pleasure as she rocks those hips, taking all of me. I thrust my thickness inside her sweet hole, loving the way her pussy wraps around me. Fuck, I moan. You feel so damn good. Her pussy drips as she rocks against me, bouncing up and down on my rod, her tits swaying in the hottest fucking way. God, I love this woman. Oh, Cutter, she pants. I'm so close. Make me come. Make me come hard. I give her what she needs, like I do every damn night. She is my woman, and I am her man. And it's my duty to take care of her cunt, the same as it's my duty to protect her heart. We come together, hard, fast, ready to do it again. She spins around, stroking my shaft, licking those lush lips of hers. I need you to come in my mouth too, baby. I close my eyes as she opens her mouth, taking my cock the way I fucking love, completely. She moves her head up and down, sucking me off so nice and good, my seed thick and hot, ready to slide down her throat. I run a hand over her ass, teasing her closer, never able to get enough of her cunt. She moves faster, moaning in pleasure as she deep-throats me, taking as much as she can. Oh, fuck, I groan, close to coming. I'm in my mouth, she begs. Please cut her. I give my wife what she wants, spilling my seed nice and good in her mouth. When I finish, we're grinning, delirious, and so damn in love it doesn't feel fair. I love you, I say, facing her, my hand on her belly, my eyes locked with hers. I love you more. She runs her finger over the scar on my forehead. You're more than the man of this mountain, you know. You're the man of my dreams. It's like it was destiny or something, I say, pulling her close, kissing her softly, vowing to love her forever. This has been Man of the Mountain by Frankie Love. Read for you by Jay Alder and Heather Firth. We're back. Hi. How was, How was that? that ending? Always happy. <laughs> woo woo. <laughs> okay, so like we said, go check out the um, the Mountain Meadow Fox Hollow series on Kindle Unlimited. Get all the good Frankie Love stuff. And you can go to readmeromance.com uh, to enter her giveaway. She's giving away four signed paperbacks. And on Monday, we have Hope Ford. So um, get your butt back here. Yeah. And I think that's it. All right. Well, Talia, tell me. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.